Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. I'm here with Rick, who has kindly agreed to chat with us about his experience of the Mandarin Blueprint Method course. Uh, but before we get into anything specific about the course, I thought we could talk a little bit about uh, what got you into learning Chinese and also just a little bit about you, Rick. So um, maybe you give us a little self-introduction and why you just decide you wanted to learn Mandarin. Sure, Phil. Uh, happy to chat with you guys. Uh, basically, I'm a fifth-generation Australian. I had a rural upbringing, and I trained as a communications and electronic engineer, and I served for 26 years in the Royal Australian Air Force, and I left as a senior squadron leader. Uh, I then went back to uni and completed some postgraduate training in digital comms, and then I embarked on a second career as a telecoms IT project manager with, with Telecom Australia, or Telstra. Mm. Uh, basically there I worked as an IT project manager, a program manager, and finally uh, I took a very uh, senior role as a project director uh, overseeing uh, you know, $200, $300 million IT upgrade programs uh, for, for them. I then had a career change. I uh, joined an international IT giant and uh, I was responsible for managing teams throughout East Asia, Southeast Asia, uh, and Australia, and specifically the People's Republic of China offices in Beijing, Dalian, uh, Guangzhou, and Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, now I'm a, a beef farmer, <laughs> a retired beef farmer, but I'm quite active, uh, and basically I'm providing uh, prime Angus beef to China. Mm. And uh, also of interest, I suppose, is that early in my Air Force career, I married a Malaysian Chinese lady and I have three mixed Chinese Australian children. And so uh, you get an understanding how uh, I inter interrelate with the Chinese. I've lived and worked in Malaysia for the best part of 10 years and uh, I've travelled extensively throughout East and Southeast Asia. I've been to Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Hong Kong, Kowloon, Guangzhou, Taiwan, Shanghai, Xi'an. Beijing, Kyoto, Osaka, Tioka, to name a few. Sure. Now, I got serious with uh, Mandarin about eight years ago uh, after I completed the Michelle Thomas Spoken Mandarin CD course. It was eight CDs, and it was pretty good. It was sort of, we're not going to teach you to read and write. Uh, we'll teach you to speak the language, and we'll give you a bit of the, the grounding. It was good grounding. Mm. Uh, so then I enrolled in night classes, and I uh, completed Mandarin Introduction Certificate Level 1 and 2, and it was basically the social pleasantries, and it was slow and, and frustrating. Uh, after that, I enrolled at uh, the University of the Third Age uh, and attended classes for one term, and it was very frustrating because the, the, everything moved at the speed of the lowest common denominator. Right. Uh, Okay, and during the last eight years have been a, a, a conglomeration of uh, uh, applications on the internet and some of them are good and some of them are trashy, uh, mm -hmm. but they, they all failed to make me literate. And, uh, yes, so and, I, and I, I had no confidence in it. So, so basically I'm here at your doorstep uh, because of that background, because of my frustration. Mm. 
Yeah, I've never I had never heard of the um, Michelle Thomas method until you mentioned it uh, in a comment. And I, I looked into it a little bit. And, I, you know, it's interesting because I took the approach when I first started learning Mandarin, very focused on the characters, which, you know, set me up well for what we're you know doing now. But I've never considered the idea of starting purely from speaking. I think Luke did that. Luke started off with Pimsler, uh, which is, you know, focused on on speaking. But uh, that that's an interesting way to go about it. I imagine that if that were the case, that learning characters and words would be almost... Um, you'd kind of like be like, oh, I know this already, but now I'm seeing it in its uh, you know, written form, which is probably quite satisfying, I would imagine. Um, but, uh, and also the, um, what, what were you saying? The, the course you took on like the social pre uh, pleasantries and the lowest common denominator in the class, I can completely empathize with that. That's uh, something I had to deal with um, at Sichuan University a lot, especially because we were learning through this method that we've now developed and created uh, for Mandarin Blueprint, and we were kind of figuring it out at the time. But as a result, I kept getting farther and farther ahead of my classmates, and that was frustrating because we would be in class, and and I would find the the you know the teacher would have to stick to the like you say the lowest common denominator just to keep the class going, which got to be a little bit uh, boring and frustrating. So uh, I can totally understand that. So basically, so that was the problem you were facing when you were looking through that, and of course now that you're um, working in uh, as a beef farmer and working and selling, you know, beef to Chinese um, clients, it's obviously going to be a huge help to you to be able to speak uh, Mandarin, because I think in a lot of things like that, that's the type of thing that gives you an edge, you know, like, obviously, you want to have good quality beef and all of that. But to some degree, if you can talk directly to a uh, Chinese client and and speak in their language, that's got to give you an advantage, especially in China, they, they really appreciate that. So, um, I guess then in that case, you kind of answered the first questions I would have asked you in that um, uh, introduction. So let's talk a little bit about the Mandarin Blueprint course. So um, first of all, how did you find us? Oh, well, uh, because I was on the internet about three years ago, uh, you started marketing and sort of uh, uh, put the Mandarin Blueprint out there and uh, you explained what you were doing. So, and I've sort of followed you uh, piecemeal along the way mm. and uh, then you when you got to sort of some serious uh, marketing you'd, you'd reached a, uh, a a very good point I suppose uh, where you were up and running and uh, I looked at it and I thought yeah let's have a look at this 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 looks pretty good yeah uh, I, I just wanted to say too that uh, uh, you know, because of the interaction I've had with many Chinese people, both in Australia and uh, overseas and in China, that, uh, you know, I just reinforce the point you make that it, it opens doors. You don't have to say very much. You know, just a simple, you know, ni wei shuo wama, you know, sort of, do you speak do you speak Chinese to them? And they sort of say, well, who are you? Boom, boom, boom. And, <laughs> and that's really good. Uh, but also, uh, when I started the course with you, one of the early bits of advice was, hang on, don't worry about the speaking, get involved with the characters. And uh, I can really understand that because although they're nice, uh, they, they sometimes find it, uh, they find you, uh, they have to tolerate the fact that you're speaking to them at kindergarten level. And mm -hmm. I think the advice that you sort of give us, you know, get your get your six hundred characters under your belt, and 
before you start trying to use it in a verbal fashion. And I think there's a lot of value in that, and I hope that's the case. Yeah, well, certainly uh, the theory of language acquisition seems to say that uh, it's the input hypothesis, that if you want to get truly good in, at a language and acquire a language, you need to have as much input as possible, which means uh, as much reading and as much listening as possible. And uh, reading is even better than uh, listening. Surprisingly, I was, I was surprised to see that research because you'd think that it would be listening. But reading, if you read a lot, the context, I guess it's because you, maybe you have more parts of your brain that can kind of engage with the, the content. But if you read a lot, you end up acquiring the language faster. And then at that point, you can output and activate the language. But activating the language is a much faster process than uh, accumulating your passive vocabulary. And so the only way to get really good is to read a lot. And so if you're going to read, you got to learn the characters. There's just no way around it in Chinese. So our attitude is, okay, that's the hardest part. That's the thing that makes Chinese unique. So let's tackle it right off the bat. And so, um, well, speaking of, uh, we obviously have a character learning method that is um, uh, a bit, you know, not non-traditional, I guess you could say. We use the mnemonic system and all of that. So what's your experience been of uh, how we teach characters and uh, you know, were you skeptical about it at first? And, you know, sort of talk me through what that was like for you. Okay, so that's a good question. I was sceptical. I thought with with a multitude of uh, courses available uh, and, you know, the syllabuses and all the rest of it, uh, you know, why is this going to be any different? Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm pleased to say uh, I'm quite inspired because I found it very different very quickly, immediately. And, uh, yeah, so uh, th that's why I've sort of I've locked in. I've warmed to the to training. I I've, I've, think I've moved ahead fairly quickly. I got through the pronunciation uh, because I had a pretty good understanding of the pronunciation, mm. uh, but it was a very, very useful, uh, you know, uh, start to consolidate that punctuation uh, or the pronunciation. And... Uh, uh, then when I started on the on the course proper, uh, learning the characters, uh, it worked first up, you know, and I thought, hang on, this is very good because, it, you know, you, you do those other courses and you learn a character a day and what have you, the next day you forget that character, you know, and yeah. you're wasting months and years. And, uh, yeah, and I found that, okay, this was the consolidation and, of course, the... Uh, uh, the, the Anki uh, database interface that, that you're using there is fantastic for the spaced repetition learning. And I found that very, very, very good. Yeah, yeah. I love the SRS learning because it could, in a way, you know, even though there's a little bit of, um, you, know, you have to get used to how Anki works at the beginning, which can be a little bit frustrating. Once you get that working, it's a, such a relief because you know that anything that goes into your uh, new cards, you'll remember, you know, so that's, uh, or at least if you forget, you'll bring it back really quickly, uh, which is the really the fundamental problem with most traditional learning courses is that the way that they teach them in the first place is just kind of, you know, rote. They're like, okay, here's a new character and here's what it means. Just try to remember that. And so, uh, and then, you know, you don't have a review software either. So you're like, you're not having a good first learning approach and then you don't review it properly or you review it uh, too much, perhaps. Like, you know, it's like the SRS allows you to review it the minimum amount possible while still 
retaining it. So, uh, yeah, SRS was a huge boon to my study. So I'm glad that to hear that it's working for you as well. So let's suppose, um, you were looking at a new character now, uh, what, which level of the course are you in currently? Okay. So I'm up to 105 characters. <laughs> okay, perfect. That's a, so you've gotten to the point where you're through the first two phases. So if you approach a new character, uh, about how long does it take you to go from, you know, the starting point to, uh, moving on to the next character in terms of like uh, going through your little mnemonic scene for it. Okay. So uh, I have a bit of a starting point because a lot of the characters that we've done so far, I, I've uh, been across the pinion meaning of that character, but sure. I haven't uh, known the character. And so it's probably taken me about you know, no more than 10 minutes mm-hmm. to sort of put together the, uh, uh, you know, the actors, the sets, uh, and to compile a little story, yeah, ten minutes I'd say, mm. and uh, then so then I follow your advice and sort of don't think too hard about it, and uh, I actually uh, you know rely on Anki to actually g- give the repetition, but uh, I also approached <coughs> I approached you uh, a few weeks back and said, hey, how do I include the script in there? And you gave me the advice on how to do that, and. I have, I've done that for the first 105 characters and I find, I find that's very useful as well, very useful uh, and maybe something you can consider. That said, uh, I'd just like to say that, uh, you know, the way you and Luke have uh, put the effort into compiling this course is really fabulous because uh, you, you, you hold our hands at the start but you very, very quickly uh, let us run, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's no mistake. Uh, that's no accident. It's very, very well conceived and implemented uh, and really well done. And I think that is going to uh, help keep people uh, on board. It certainly, uh, it's helped me. Uh, I see it as sort of like positive reinforcement of like you're up here now, you know, stretch yourself a bit. And mm. uh, yeah, I think I think that's good. And I hope that I imagine it will continue throughout the course. And yeah. 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 Luckily, we've had so many uh, great comments and, uh, it, you know, sort of customer um, suggestions that have been put into the course that we address in the podcast and then we put them into the course itself. So you'll still see us as you go through, but like it's a little bit less uh, past uh, character 105 because, you know, you know what you're doing at that point, but at least we, you can get suggestions. It's kind of cool because now new course content gets created every week by uh, members of the course, which is great. So that's uh, always, it means that it's not just Luke and I with the suggestion, it's everyone. So that's kind of cool. Um, can, I, can I say, uh, Phil, uh, at, at Character 105, uh, of course, the beauty is uh, there's no opinion and there's no English. And mm-hmm. to my surprise and the surprise of some others that you know, I've heard, it's sort of like, hang on, I'm reading Chinese for the first time and I didn't realise I could. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that is very positive. Yeah, no, it's uh, we really wanted to get people to that point while recognizing that you can't totally rush into it. We want it to be re- a real feeling, like you're actually seeing this and you know it. But uh, yeah, it is possible to get to the point where you're reading, you know, full Chinese sentences and understanding what they mean, you know, with only 105 characters under your belt. When you know, considering that you need to know eventually, you need to know something like uh, 
uh, 3000 characters, maybe if you, depending on how far you want to go. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's really quite, quite cool. So, um, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about like, um, what, you know, uh, you think we might be able to do to improve the course. You already mentioned perhaps adding a notes field to, uh, the Anki cards so you can record your, your scenes, which just to comment on that briefly, um, I do agree that that's a good idea to have a place where you can record your scenes. Um, but I also think that as you get good at it, you should be able to just remember them uh, as they are, because it's like the idea is that the mnemonic techniques, the better you get at them and the more you add the different, what we call special effects, which are basically just memory champion techniques for remembering individual facts. Um, you'll be able to remember them in the same way that you remember any life memory. Like if you remember something from uh, 20 years ago, it's because there's something about the things that happened at that time that stick into our, you know, sort of highly evolved memory centers of our brain. And so if you can sort of hack that process, you can do the same thing. Now, obviously at the beginning, when you're just getting used to the techniques, it's a good idea to record. So I'll keep that in mind. But apart from that, any other suggestions uh, for how we could improve the course? Well, just, just on that particular point, uh, I, I take note of what you said. In fact, you told me that. And I've given it some consideration. And I think it's a very valid point. And, and I think that the sooner you can uh, drop the actual recording of it, uh, the the faster you'll be able to move on, and I understand that. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, I I think the uh, the regular positive reinforcement that uh, you and, and Luke give us uh, along the way uh, is is very important, and I imagine that'll continue. Uh, I think too, uh, although I'm quite junior, and and I mean this is quite early days, I can see a clear and achievable path to the fluency in Mandarin that I'm looking for. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, that's what we want. We want people to feel like, you know, we know that it's a, it's a big mountain uh, learning Mandarin, but if you know where you are in the mountain and when, and you can see the top, then that can, that can help a little bit with uh, the motivation along the way. It certainly helps with, for me, like I, I remember a very distinct point. I don't know exactly. Maybe it was about a year into my study where I sort of realized I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it because, you know, so many people fail. So like you think, okay, if, if all these people fail to learn Mandarin, they try and I, and I run into them all the time here in Chengdu, like uh, expats who have been here a while and like, they'll be like, oh yeah, I tried to learn Chinese, but it was so tough or whatever. Uh, you naturally, when you're first starting off, you're like, am I going to make it? You know, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just too not smart enough or maybe whatever. And then you just kind of, there's a point everybody reaches where they go, oh, wait, no, I know what to do. I can do it. I can make it. All I have to do is just keep showing up and uh, to, to study each day. And um, what I found is that uh, what we're trying to do anyway with Mandarin Blueprint is get people to get that feeling earlier, you know, so that way they're, they're more likely to continue. So that's, that's really great to hear. Well, I guess then the last question I would just have for you, Rick, is um, would you recommend Mandarin Blueprint to somebody who's uh, just found our course? Well, let me say, you know, based upon uh, my life experience, you know, being married to a Chinese and you would think, well, you know, uh, after decades you would expect that you'd be able to speak the Chinese. Uh, she was actually not Mandarin educated. She was English educated but spoke Hokkien, her native Hokkien and Cantonese and, of course, no Mandarin. And uh, so you know, I, I tried to learn Hokkien 
and uh, and you know I can speak the social pleasantries. I can go down to Singapore and talk to the older people because they they speak Hokkien. But uh, it you, you, there was no reading or writing. You know there was no characters, although they do exist, but that it wasn't there and it wasn't available. Uh, and so uh, having now experienced something that gives me a strong feeling that I'm going to make it, uh, of course, there is nothing better than Mandarin Blueprint. And I think you guys are on a real winner here. And I, I think, it, you know, if it's, if it's only developing slowly now, I think there will be a point where, you know, you'll achieve critical mass and then it'll explode. And uh, I can see that you guys are smart enough to sort of perhaps uh, appoint uh, people in, in, in other countries uh, to actually, uh, you know, uh, spread the word. And, uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it'd be really good. And I'd like to see it from an Australian point of view because uh, we've got a lot of Chinese migrants. Uh, they're very good people uh, in the main. They're very good people, uh, very family-oriented uh, very progressive and uh, I, th I think that many Australians could do themselves a favour by actually uh, learning the language uh, and making us a more cohesive society. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a, that's a very um, uh, hopeful sentiment to end the podcast on. So thank you so much, Rick. And uh, we'll definitely, we'll see you on the course, ask any more questions uh, at any point, and we'll be happy to answer. Uh, whether it's in the comments or on the community forum and uh, thanks so much. And we'll, um, we'll check in with you in a few months and see how you're doing. Okay, Phil, keep on doing what you're doing. Well Move done. On. Thanks very Cheers, much. If you found this video valuable and you'd like us to help you reach fluency and literacy in Mandarin Chinese as fast as possible without all the headache of traditional learning methods, just head to mandarinblueprint.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the bell below to be notified every time we release a new video. And of course, 保重!